matter of time, I suppose. Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we take a look at the director's cut of Zack Snyder's Watchmen from 2009, one minute at a time. My name is Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. I'm Eric Nash. And I'm Mike from the Tarantino Minute podcast. Thanks for uh, being with us all week, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Minute 25 starts with Dan playing with toys and ends with Adrian telling the reporter how he's making war obsolete. Kind of one guy playing with toys and another guy playing with the world. And <laughs> yeah, does nobody think it's weird that there's a guy in the corner just playing with the action <laughs> figures? That's a great point. <laughs> like, this is a room full of reporters and photographers, and then there's Dan mm. playing with that's, toys. That's Dan. He's my simple cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that uh, this guy named Diaz is turning this place into a billion-dollar industry. But, uh, yeah, back to the kind of last minute we were uh, talking about the toy display. And you get a really good, uh, like, second five, um, you get a really good kind of look at the uh, the lightning backdrop, which is pretty killer. And I just love uh, Manhattan and Rorschach's poses because they're essentially, like, poses that we'll see later on in the movie. The Rorschach, uh, I think it's similar to what we'll see of him in front of the lightning um, a few minutes from now. Just kind of looks like he's kind of in a crouch, you know, a little bit. So, well, in the one below Manhattan, that's Night Owl, right? Yes. It's and funny he's not closer to Archie, mm. his owl ship. Yeah. And so, and then also, so then my my bigger point with that though also is that uh, so we actually see better in more detail the owl ship mm. when it's a when it's when it's a toy. That's <laughs> funny. I didn't, hadn't even thought about that. Still a good-looking chip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get a little bit. I think it's the, the kind of the back half and the tail, I think, of, uh, of Bubastis. Yeah, right. I think here. and mm-hmm. So if you're if I, like watching this movie for the first time, you're like, what the hell? What's with the, you know. Bubastis? What's with the uh, Cringer? <laughs> Who's got a pet cat? With horns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or really long ears. Um, it's interesting that uh, Roth lumps in the uh, the genetic engineering with like toys, yeah. toys and lunchboxes. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know that was like merchandising. It's like, what are they selling as far as that goes? Like, are they, you know, is it uh, designer babies? Like, p- people can choose what their offspring will look like, or is it? I, mean, I guess it applies to like uh, Bubastis itself. Like, he created that cat you know, oh, yeah. at least in the book i mean and they don't go into that at all here in the movie but maybe that's what they're alluding to like you can get designer pets i don't I don't know what it's an odd thing to lump in here with merchandising i think so the thing i wanted wanted to uh talk about uh this roth character uh he reminds me of eric idol from monty python <laughs> oh you're totally of, right one, yeah one of the, yeah one of the characters he would often play kind of a reporter-ish guy you know with a with a handheld microphone he'd hold probably probably hold up i don't know yeah yeah Roughly i can see it a... so that that first i keep on seeing it and uh that first camera shot that 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 the girl does the the, the, the photographer takes yeah um you guys ever see the movie sky captain in the world of tomorrow <laughs> yeah nope. Yeah, that is exactly what this like. I it, it's very it's a I think it's a good movie. Jude Law, Angelina Jolie, somebody else. 
uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth I think. Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, yeah. I remember That's... like liking it visually, and it was kind of like Rocketeer, but not quite. It's uh, a it's a fun weird movie that was yeah. made. <laughs> um, but that shot <laughs> it came looks out. just like exactly. That's the way I'd say it. That shot looks just but the whole lighting and everything looks just like uh Sky Captain. Mm. Do you mean the see that? Yeah. The shot like looking out at Vite like through the wind like with the window behind him or I initially spotted it when when you see through the camera lens. Oh, okay. And how blurry it is behind him and how he's a little a little uh, fuzzy as well, um, but you you really could say when he's sitting there on his desk and uh, and the reporter you know the old timey microphone and everything and the the zeppelin in the background like yeah it really does look like Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow huh. just visually right on um, that uh, the photographer you you yeah. mentioned is uh, it's supposed to be Annie Leibovitz Leibovitz or Leibovitz. Um, Kind of famous uh, or very famous photographer, uh, played here by Sally Safiati, who mm. I looked up. Um, she did a lot of TV work in the late '90s and early 2000s, but mostly has done voice work on uh, cartoons and video games, kind of since the uh, mid to late 2000s. And uh, she also does the voice work in, or voices the sea captain's daughter in the Tales of the Black Freighter. Uh, kind of DVD release for oh. Watchmen. So, yeah, mostly mostly a voice actress, but um, yeah, playing uh, playing the photographer here. It's kind of a I, weird scene with uh, like Vite wanting to get in his his interview at the same time as as getting this uh, photography expose expose. Okay, yeah, and I don't know if the two are going to be released together, like photos with the magazine or vice well and really like the interview itself would go on ought to ought to go on much longer than it takes to take the pictures i think too. yeah you know yeah however the thing is with annie leibowitz um uh the the biggest thing i mean there's two huge things for me that i know her from is is one uh uh the beatles but it's actually john lennon mm. and and his yeah his, the, the last pictures some of the last pictures taken of him were taken by her before he was killed okay um, and then hmm. uh, Star Wars, um, all the way since back the the first prequel, Episode One, Phantom Menace, uh, for Vanity Fair, she's she's taken uh, all the all the all the behind the scenes, you know, pose pose of, of the characters, pose yeah. you know, in their stuff, but also Lucas and the other. Creators. That's right. Yeah. Did she do the recent ones for Last Jedi with oh, like yeah. Yeah. okay with there, yeah? And there's an article Carrie Fisher out. and really. Okay. The, the the same uh, writer of the article for Phantom Phantom Menace as Last Jedi, uh, David Camp, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Now I know. <laughs> That's really cool, though. I didn't know that was based off of a person. And she's known for like kind of like the lighting, kind of a very clear, crisp, you know, uh, you know, look uh, to the to the people she takes the the celebrities mostly and that she takes pictures of. Well, she could have done better on Ozymandias is all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, this is a little more subdued, I'd say. Mm. The, the, you know, she didn't get the lighting quite set up. <laughs> he, maybe he was against it for some reason. Yeah. He, uh, mm. No, no, well, lights are bad. You ever seen Sky Captain the World Tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
It's uh, it's really smooth how Adrian interrupts and interrupts Roth to ask his own question and then answers that question with a monologue, um, which turns like the topic of merchandise merchandising into you know this uh, like I said this monologue about funding energy research and and basically trying to save the world. So he's uh, he's a pro and uh, I especially like that he even says you know it's a fair question. <laughs> Like, like, you mean the question that you're asking? (laughs) We've got uh, a shot of Dan as he's waiting. He picks up a – he's got Time magazine with uh, Superman Unite for Peace. So it's got Manhattan and and Adrian on the cover. Um, The New Yorker featuring a uh, rendering of Manhattan. And then The Economist featuring – like it looks like a story on Vite. Have you guys read the the poem Ozymandias? Um, yeah, I did when I was high school. Um, I mean, for, for this, I forget at at what point I was researching that for, I don't know if it's come up yet or if it was, but yeah, I definitely have looked into it a little bit, just, just enough to read it, you know, Mm -hmm. but Um, yeah, I I don't, I don't know more than what's, you know, uh, said here. And I, and it's also in the, in the recent, uh, alien covenant movie. (laughs) Oh yeah, used there. Yeah, probably the same lines that are in the in the book, the Watchmen book. But I know it's got like the famous line, you know, "Look on my works, ye mighty, in despair," something like that. Yeah, and then nothing beside remains. Yeah, I I remember when I was in high school and uh and my uh my high school lit teacher read that and I was like, dang, that's a that's a cool poem. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and then Watchmen came out, you know, not too far after that, and. uh I was like, oh, well, I can get on board with this Ozzy right. character. <laughs> I know there's a uh, a Breaking Bad episode called Ozymandias. Mm-hmm. Kind of ties into, I think it's like part of when he kind of accepts that he's going down a dark path. And, and I, I forget which episode it is, but there's something uh, really weird to me about Doug Roth. Like we get a shot of him, of him next to Adrian. You know, Doug's got his his uh recording device kind of outstretched and he's he's wearing this you know uh, the recording uh i guess the recorder itself he's kind of wearing on a what a strap over his shoulder so it's kind of like a messenger bag kind of thing that he's carrying um but he's just got this like this trench coat on that he's still wearing and it's like he's he just has this look like like why are you look so stiff and uncomfortable and like take your coat off bud like <laughs> <laughs> um, it just is really weird posture that he's got. And I don't know, it's, it's really like maybe Adrian wouldn't agree to a sit down interview, um, because he wants to also like at the same time do this, this photo spread. Um, so just to combine appointments so that, you know, to not waste any time or something, but there's still just something really weird to me about the way Roth looks in this scene. And I think it's like later on when we'll see him again in the face-to-face uh, TV, you know, studio. I think he's still wearing the trench coat even then. Like he never takes it off. I guess I don't know. Just something in this scene. He, just, he and Rorschach have the, uh, corner, yeah. the market cornered, mm-hmm. <laughs> wearing trench coats for sure. Being there, being their thing. Yeah, just something really weird to me about him. His, uh, I think it's just mostly his posture and just how bundled up he seems to look. 
in this uh, in this you know high rise. I'm sure it's a very comfortable room. The most comfortable. Yeah, maybe Adrian didn't invite him to to leave his coat. You know, at the at the at the door. Who knows? Do you want to hear a little bit about uh, the Breaking Bad episode? Oh, sure. Because uh, it was, it, you know, I mean, your, your specific question, fifth season, 14th episode. <laughs> but it was directed by Ryan Johnson. Oh, nice. Yeah. All comes back to Star Wars. Star I didn't Wars, know he did it? TV. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. I remember he did the, uh, the episode of Breaking Bad that no one likes, the one with the fly. <laughs> I forgot. Right. I didn't uh, know he did yeah, that either. Yeah, Fly and 51 are the other two. <laughs> yeah. But he did. Total. Yeah, we get a little bit of exposition here in this uh, monologue from from Adrian about their uh, recently expanded research in Antarctica. Um, so I like that we get a little bit of information about them trying to work on this energy, the renewable sources of energy, and all that stuff. So that's kind of a kind of a nice little bit of you know chunk of dialogue, I guess. So foreshadowing. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Then I like he kind of talks about the fear and then fear of not having enough. And I love the way he finishes it up by saying making resources. He even says resources. Like he puts a, a odd inflection on resources. He's like, if we make resources infinite, ah, we make war obsolete. And at that point, it's like, Adrian, fight for Congress. He's got my vote. He's got really – he's got – I like him. I do too. He's got great <laughs> presence in this movie. Yeah, he really yeah. does. And yeah, I, he's I, he really plays it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T- to take it all back to the action figure, though, it just seems so much that the action figure is actually kind of a halfway be- halfway point between his look in the comic and here, and and, and you know, the this actor, this actor's you know what what they can do with this actor, Matthew Good. Which, yeah, which we've already discussed a little bit, but. We can discuss more. Get your take on the actors, on the actor himself, Mike. If yeah, I guess this that. is the first time we've uh, we've seen him, isn't it? It's your first time seeing Osmandius. Well, again, not counting for, like, the, the opening credits. credits. Yeah, yeah. This is our but in, in the story, in a sense. In the yeah, yeah. Non-credit part. Um, I like I like I just said he if, if, like you, Travis put it perfectly. Phenomenal presence. Like he he is Ozymandias. His his inflections, his the way he carries himself. You know he he he's serious around the reporters. He gives a wink to the girls, and <laughs> yeah. he and he gives a scowl to his old partner. Like and he knows. He, uh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I just want like he hits every he hits it all. He checks all the yeah. boxes, and it's just so smooth doing it. <laughs> and it's like he even knows when to pull the right look as if he knows when uh when she's about to you know click the shutter for the camera like he knows the precise moment to pose yeah you know right before the image is even taken so yeah yeah he's he's great i, I think the casting in this movie in general is really good mm. um i can't i don't know i don't think i complain about anybody uh, yeah yeah they're all, they're, all, they're all you know it's all perfectly cast Right on. Especially Osmandias. <laughs> maybe maybe the cat could have been good a little better, but <laughs> No, I love him though. Cool. 
I'm trying to look at kind of his other stuff, and I, I know I saw him in Leap Year, which I guess came out after this. Um, he was amazing in The Lookout, which came out uh, a couple years before. And if I think that's the one. Is that directed by... Well, it's, it's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Directed by Scott Frank. I was thinking for some reason. I was confusing that with uh, Brick by Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. And and I liked him from uh, the the bit I saw of him. He wasn't the main uh, character in, but the Good Wife. Mm. Mention again, shout out for because mm. he was good in. Uh, and by good, I mean I didn't even realize he was in it. Uh, copying Beethoven. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I didn't see that one. You don't need to. Okay. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's a cool movie if you like Beethoven, but yeah, uh, it's a uh, pretty corny. I, I do actually remember him from Chasing Liberty, which is like, I forget if it was Mandy Moore or, um, what's her name? Yeah, Mandy Moore plays like the president's daughter, and he's like her secret, you know, undercover uh, secret service agent or whatever. So it's kind of like a romantic comedy sort of with uh, with her. So I definitely that's the first thing I ever saw him in. And it was decent as far as young love romantic comedy kind of stuff goes mm. so that's really all i've got for matthew good uh, the only thing I'd, I'd i'd think i'd like to talk about real quick is just uh you know what you said you know he says he he puts he he, he takes what roth is saying and, and makes his own question whether or not that's what roth was going for or not <laughs> and, and and just just his his the the terms he's using in this question the prostituting their struggle yeah you know and and that seems to be a recurring thing here in this movie i don't think i've ever really you know it's certainly in the book too i think but but just this uh you know i don't know if this is it's an underlying alan moore kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah see what you mean you there know, his, his psyche mm-hmm. pervading into uh the book a bit but then also this too well that... what do, what do you guys think about alan moore have you guys got into that? I mean, we've talked about the circumstances with, you know, how he feels about his works being adapted and everything. And yeah. That is an interesting line, especially right after Roth says something about the, I understand there's a movie in the works. So maybe that is intentionally meant to kind of reference the Alan Moore of it all. But I don't know. I mean, I like a lot of Alan Moore's stuff. I, I think... You know, he's definitely got his uh, reasoning reasons for yeah. feeling like the the works should exist on their own. Um, I don't necessarily agree with him. It's hard to have an opinion on kind of someone who's who's so reclusive, but but's done so much and brought so much like cool yeah. into the world. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I think Eric I think is a as a bigger Alan Moore fan as far as his other works than I am, but uh, But like Swamp yeah, the, Thing and everything? Well I, I do uh, love Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah. I've I don't know if I've read every single issue of his Swamp Thing run, but I know I've read at least the that first one or two ish. <laughs> or one one book if there's if there's like three volumes or something maybe and I'd like the first, the first arc volume, I think, yeah, the first arc of his. Well and he kinda of picked it up mid arc or something even. Yeah. But, um but uh, but you know like the V from Vendetta and the League of Extraordinary Extraordinary Gentlemen, those couple and and uh, 
and actually the uh, for DC itself, Alan Moore, uh, DC Universe stories of Alan Moore. Yeah, contains a lot of his one one or two issue arcs, pretty uh, quick arcs, quick uh, stories. He was almost like the, like the Mark Millar of his generation in a sense, because yeah. like that's what Mark Millar with Millar World was doing with like Chrononauts and everything, just like you know, short stories like five issues, and then mm-hmm. he calls it a day, and that's yeah. I kind of feel like I don't know if you guys are like really into comics, but he kind of like went the Grant Morrison route, where he he made it, he made such good work, and then he just kind of like he copied himself in a sense, yeah, and then he tries to, to protect what he's done with himself when i was working in the comic shop that's when before watchmen uh before watchmen was coming out then and uh i remember the big controversy where he's like you know we're not i don't want these books coming out i don't like this it shouldn't be done the story's perfect the way it is i'm like alan moore just shut up you crotchety old man and let (laughs) somebody else like have fun with what you've created yeah yeah i understand but like just come on dude like let other people play in your sandbox you know yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's you know it's it's almost unfortunate in my mind. Um, you know, one way or another, essentially, this stuff is going to happen, mm. and yeah. you know, either he could have gotten some money out of it, <laughs> but then he would be he would feel he would feel and uh, uh, you know that 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 he himself and and others would see him as being part of the machine. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is big gripe with it probably and. Uh, and uh but no he went he went the other way and and therefore he doesn't get any money but it's still gonna happen yeah yeah i definitely see the same uh that grant morrison connection as far as like that's someone i think of now as being similar to alan moore but even more so like a little bit even more current like john the stuff that jonathan hickman does for marvel Ugh. like with with avengers and stuff see i love him so much <laughs> see i can't i can never stick with his stuff it's it's generally it's it's just too i guess it's i guess it's smarter than i am because i can just never like i, I don't have a connection to it i can't you know. i like his image stuff uh, yeah. And I, I can totally see exactly what you're saying in 110. Yeah. percent Like I tried, uh, yeah. I tried to do uh, what was the, the recent arc where the the two universes were merging together, the Ultimate Universe. And oh, the, that was his new Avengers, Secret, Secret Avengers. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah. Like I, I wanted to like it, but I just didn't care by the kind of middle of it, and I just. It was trying to be too weird and too trippy yeah. and too like it gets too wacky. <laughs> Grant Morrison, which to me is too Alan Moore. You know, it's like just I don't know. Yeah, no, I I I can see that, and that's what like Alan Moore does. But like you know, I just wish he let people play. Just, yeah, I mean, it's cool that like DC now is basically Doctor Manhattan's universe. <laughs> yeah. um, which is the way it should be and like marvel's universe is you know reed richard's universe because yeah. that's the way it should be but it should have always been dr manhattan's universe like he should have been the ultimate god in dc i mean it's that's what makes sense because he is a god yeah he's the most powerful character maybe hands down yeah he's the tom bombadil of the dc <laughs> universe there you go yeah <laughs> I was going to ask if you were into the Doomsday Clock, Mike. Oh, I discovered the Doomsday Clock when I was in middle school, and I am still obsessed with the idea of it. Oh, oh the no, whole no. idea. Oh, I I'm, thought we were I'm talking about the, the comic that's coming out now. 
Oh no, I haven't. I actually haven't even looked at it. I uh, okay. I have not. What is what is that all about? That's the idea. I mean, that's uh, so. So maybe maybe you're just aware of the uh, the rebirth. Yeah, I when I and, when and Dr. I Manhattan and the button. When I left, uh, yeah. when I left the comics, that's okay. when Rebirth was happening, and I was like, "No, I'm not doing. I'm not. I got my money." <laughs> <laughs> well, Doomsday Clock is written by Jeff Johns, and it's, it's a twelve issue, just like Watchmen was, and uh, they're replicating, you know, some, a lot of the things like the the uh, the panels on the page, you know, the, the, some of the styles, mm-hmm. styles choices, but they're doing a new story that. Uh, Involves a crossover of Doctor Manhattan, Watchmen Universe, and the DC Rebirth. Yeah, huh? Multiverse. You should, uh, yeah, pop into a comic book store yeah. and uh, just—it's two issues out so far. So maybe pick up those and and give them a read. They're really like really good reads. I think I'll the, give anything with Manhattan a read. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it takes place. Well, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not of when it takes place, but yeah. um, it follows up. You know. Watchmen, I guess, a couple of oh. years later. So, I'll I'm sure Alan Moore will hate it. <laughs> oh yeah, he's well, outside right now. Not that he'll ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he's even been told about it. <laughs> oh, he's been told. <laughs> but yeah, so you actually, but you knew of the idea of the uh, Doomsday Clock. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's kid. fascinating. Mm-hmm. Just the mm-hmm. the, yeah. the idea of this clock mm-hmm. that predicts our doom is just so wild. What was our last? Uh, check in with it i think it was like it we're at is it two and a half minutes or were we at no today it's like it two seconds <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah where are the we two, with the that? two idiots in charge yeah <laughs> yeah they may have moved it up since uh we first started this uh show because i think i think when we first talked about it it might have been it's closer to midnight like it's, currently in our oh, real yeah. life, two and a half. Then it was okay. I thought so. Then it was like in the movie. I think in the movie they move it up to what? Uh, oh, five, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's five minutes five till. Four yeah, or something. yeah. It's like, so what? It's nothing. Yeah, they're amateurs. <laughs> Amateur hour over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other notes for this minute? Um, I think I'm good. I'm good. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll jump into uh, from script to screen. Um, kind of go through some of the differences this week, uh, basically in the where we are in the uh, the Alex Say script. So it kind of starts off the same. We, we've got War, uh, Dan and Rorschach in the in the apartment talking about you know beans and they're fine, fine like this that kind of stuff. Um, this this script also has this so far line after being out of prison. Rorschach tells him that the comedian's dead. Dan asks, "How did it happen?" Uh, Rorschach says murder. Someone threw him out of window. Then the next line says uh, from Dan says maybe it was a burglary. The killer might not have known who Blake was. And still in this script, they haven't mentioned Eddie Blake and as the comedian. So I don't know. And there's also there's no like time jump here in the script. So I don't know if that's an error, like how Dan knows the name Blake. So. Dan says the man wasn't exactly endearing just because something happened to him doesn't mean it involves us. So kind of trying to deflect the suggest that it's not about a conspiracy or, or a plot to, to kill any other heroes. So um, Dan tells Rorschach, um, I'm out. I've been out. We've all been out except you. You know that. 
Rorschach replies with, yes, I know that. Anyways, I thought I'd let you know just in case. So I think that does kind of lead more to the idea that, like, just in case you wanted to, you know, jump jump into this case with me. So slightly different take on the uh, telling him that the, the tunnel will let out, like a maintenance hatch or whatever. He says, you can take the tunnel out to the warehouse on Fleet Street. Uh, so for the New York walking tour for Watchmen Minute, I did look up Fleet Street in New York, and there is a Fleet Street in Brooklyn. So Dan's apartment might be somewhere in uh, just two blocks shy of uh, uh, Fleet Street in Brooklyn. So He's like the proto-hipster then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then here's the big, like, one of the biggest changes um, from the script. That It's an entire scene that we don't get. So uh, Rorschach leaves, and then... He show the the scene transitions to it says interior sleazy motel room early morning, uh, the kind of room you rent by the hour, or the minute even. Um, a cheap looking hooker enters with a, a army officer, giggling. She playfully pushes the officer onto the bed. Um, they have a little bit of discussion about what they want to do. He says like everything because I don't have to be back on base till Friday. Um. They exchange money, and then the door flies off the hinges. Rorschach steps in, yanks the hooker off. Uh, the officer gets to his feet, throws a punch, which Rorschach dodges. Rorschach grabs the guy's arm, kicks the officer in the side of the knee, tearing the joint to shreds. The officer cries out in pain, falls back to the floor. Uh, Rorschach nails him in the head with a blackjack, knocking him out. Then the hooker screams, Rorschach grabs her by the hair and slams her face into the wall and says, quiet, whore. So pretty, pretty severe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it says, nose broken and bleeding. The hooker quiets to a whimper. Rorschach takes the officer's uniform and ID, then leaves. So i uh not sure what Rorschach will need with a U.S. Army... Uh, uniform and ID, but we'll find out later, I'm sure. And then there's a little bit, it does then transition to uh, uh, the Vite Enterprises the next morning. Uh, there's a little bit of discussion about the building. We kind of see it's got this, uh, the V-shaped like tower kind of thing. Um, and Dan has like an interaction with the, with his assistant and kind of has some trouble like getting in to see him. Like he's just popping in unannounced. So, like, she doesn't want to let him in, but he says to just tell her it's Dan Dryberg and he'll let me in, that kind of thing. So he does get in. Um, and this whole, like, uh, interview with Roth is going on while Adrian is sprinting on a treadmill, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so it's, it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit before about um, Dan trying to maximize or, uh, Adrian trying to maximize like these appointments, you know, like he's mm -hmm. not willing to just sit down and have an interview. He wants to make sure he does it when he can get in other activities or whatever. So, um, conversation is, is pretty similar. They talk about energy and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I thought it was interesting that he's sprinting on a treadmill the entire time. So, um, kind of glad we don't get a sequence where he's because he's meant to be jogging while saying all this stuff and he's not even like cat having to catch his breath like it's it's to show that he's so physically fit that he doesn't have to you know worry about 
his yeah, that could have been really hard to yeah yeah actually make happen in a movie yeah <laughs> so. yeah so those that's that's pretty much the uh this week in the uh script so hmm now you started off saying um alex uh c or say tse say, yeah is yeah how it's spelled um uh but so i went ahead and checked it out real quick on wikipedia and you'll be interested, uh, Mike, to know. I don't know if you know this guy. I've heard his name before. Um, uh, uh, he saw Pulp Fiction and was inspired by the film to pursue a screenwriting career. He des- he described Pulp Fiction's influence on him. So this huh. is a quote. I had never seen anything like it in terms of narrative structure, characters, the character's point of view, all the pop culture references and humor. It seemed like it was coming from my own sensibility, though the world of Pulp Fiction is so fantastic and obviously not my world. It felt like these were characters who were speaking from the perspective of people in your world. And I don't know that a movie has done that since. I believe it. So, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, you understand what he's saying going through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, any last uh, thoughts on Watchmen uh, before we let you go, Mike? No, I think it's uh, I think it's great you guys are doing this. Somebody's got to stick up for this movie. Still gets too much hate, you know. Almost yeah. ten years later, mm. um, you know, you guys are doing uh, you guys are doing the Lord's work out there. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> well, if if listeners, if you think we're doing the Lord's work as well, why don't you uh, why don't you throw five stars at us on uh, on iTunes? Let us know, kind of, you know what you think you can also send us thoughts comments questions to watchman minute at gmail.com um, we want to thank pete the retailer alex robinson over at uh, star wars minute for for leading the way uh, you can uh, get to our facebook page at facebook.com slash watchman minute and uh discuss uh sky captain the world of tomorrow yeah mm-hmm. uh on our facebook group at uh, the Crime Busters Listener Society. Mike, why not remind everyone one more time where they can find you? You got it. Uh, you can find me on all my other podcasts at twooldmedia.com. Uh, my main podcast, Tarantino Minute, where we go through Tarantino movies minute by minute, currently on Pulp Fiction, and the ultimate encyclopedic compendium of all things Rush on my podcast, Stellar Dynamics. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, again, Mike, thanks for uh, joining us this week. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week. Well, we hope everyone has a, an awesome weekend, and we will be back next week for minutes 26 through 30. And who watches The Watchmen? We do. We do. Watchmen are over.